proudest day and the proudest time and the seat of a relic here because that day and that hour and those minutes I got the butt between my teeth you know I really stood up and was counted and said this is not getting away I remember when we pulled on our helmets and, and, and Donald says to me what are we doing I said we're going for gold Barrett that's all we said I can still picture that run that was just the best best run ever Crunching Gears. Let's Talk Rallying, episode 9. In this episode, I'm once again joined by Connor Edwards. Connor is a motorsport photographer for various publications. So, Connor, you're very welcome along as always. Kevin, lovely to be here again. Thank you. Can't believe we're at episode 9 already. I know. It is crazy. It is crazy. Uh, we'll be a bit of a special this week. Uh, we catch up on the East African uh, Classic Safari Rally. Um, we have some very special guests. It was a fascinating event, Connor, wasn't it? We were watching it online. Absolutely. Like, it, it, it's it's a struggle getting your mouth around East <laughs> African classic safari, never mind getting your head around what's involved, like the amount of road mileage, stage miles, the logistics that goes into that. It's a fascinating rally just to even just, you know, from a, 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 a you know, that whole transport, get everybody there, get all the crews and stuff. Just to imagine what goes into that. It's just crazy. Yeah, and like that really piqued our like our imagination, I suppose, really. And we we had to dig that wee bit further into it and try and get a wee bit more detail on it, didn't we? Absolutely, you know, but that, that was one of the things, and that's what we're we're trying to do, I suppose, with the podcast. It's it's to get in behind the scenes and find out, you know, what makes people tick and what goes on and what's involved in in the rallying that we love watching, be it online or live on the ditches. Mm-hmm. You know, as you know, as you alluded to there, it's always the story behind the story, and that you know that's what we're what we're trying to do here. So you know, we had the pleasure of catching up with Richard Tuttle, uh, Alex Gelasimo, and Colin McMaster. So I started off by asking Richard, you know, when did they start planning for the Safari Rally in twenty twenty two? I think lifelong is probably probably <laughs> the best way to describe it. Uh, no, look, it's a the rally runs every two years, and um, uh, it's too painful to think about three months afterwards. Probably getting getting a bit better six months afterwards, but definitely eighteen months out, you really need to have a plan. And uh, that starts with getting commitment from clients, and and then very quickly follows with car builds, spares prep, and just general logistics that that, that are needed to be thought about. But we've done it now. This was our twentieth year in Africa, so that means we've done ten of the rallies. Uh, it's become fairly well oiled. Um, but yeah, big job, a very big job. And I'm already thinking because we had a delayed rally, I'm very much focusing now on 2023. Yeah, because I suppose that is 18 months away at this stage. So you have to be always thinking ahead, you know, what went wrong this year, what could be changed, what could make things better. Yeah, we have a, we have a debrief when we get back. We had an operational debrief and a technical debrief. Um, there's always things to improve on. Uh, but uh, but the one thing that you can never predict is what the rally will 
will be, and and mm-hmm. and, and that that's a movable feast uh, yeah, every single day uh, of the event, and that's that's its charm. That really is the, the what makes it very very special. And then Alex, similar question to you, like. I don't know, did Ken ring you? How did the conversation start about going to compete in Kenya? Well, actually, we always spoke about doing this event at some point. The conversation started five, seven years ago, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and about, I would say, 12 or 18 months ago, my, my friend Andy Brown reached out to me and uh, and said that, asked if there was any interest in doing this. So I and Andy and I go back a good 20 years, you know, we, we worked together uh, from 20, from 2000, I, you know, and something that uh, we, I knew that he, he was working for, for title. It was a new position for him. So I reached out and uh, I, I linked him with um, Kevin's agent in Los Angeles. And, uh, uh, and then after a few weeks, uh, I was told that this was uh, an option that was going to happen. So, I don't know if um, I know that uh, Kent's agent was uh, also someone that participated um, at the East African Safari Rally with, with the title team and uh, uh, and knows Richard. Uh, so uh, there may have been a link that came from you know a link that came from both sides, from Richard's sides and from Andy Brown's. But anyway, it was uh, it was uh, something that I think all parties were interested in making this happen, and they did. And was it something right from the get-go you thought, yep, I want to be there as well? Well, yes. It's obviously a, an event that is part of it. It's an event that together with other classics like Monte Carlo and Finland and, you know, Acropolis, is, the safari is an event that is made and made of as our sport. So mm-hmm. to be able to participate in this event, especially in this specific event, that is an old school event, uh, is something that is a type of rallying that with logistics and time frames that we don't do anymore. It was definitely an attraction. Um, the endurance side of, of the event was to me the, the, the main attraction and something that um, thought it was a, a great challenge. And I think Ken had the same idea. Excellent. excellent. And Colm, like, whenever you get the, the call to see if uh, McLean would cover the event did you have to think about it very long well for me it's a little bit different that uh, i've done four of these oh, right yes safaris so mm-hmm. if you would consider global rallying the the epitome the the peak is the wrc mm-hmm. and if i say i've worked in wrc for 27 years i look for other events to do that are different some variety and that's where the connection with Ken has come in in the last five, 10 years, that when Ken and Alex go to a rally, it's, we've done things in Switzerland, Italy. Ken's very clever in that he will bring in specialists for his uh, social media and market, the whole package. That's what he's all about. So mm-hmm. he wouldn't think twice to contact who he would like to work with, who he would consider the best. And on this occasion, the fit was perfect. You know, I know the rally. I, my company, as you well know, McCline, we've done all 10 of these classic safaris. Mm-hmm. And this was the opportunity I was looking for. I, I would have gone anyway, but to work there with Ken and Alex was fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And then, you know, Richard, the amount of people that is required for, like, you just run 14 cars this time? 
like how do you go about getting the amount of people you need and how they all, you know to make sure they all get along for over the course of two weeks or however long they're out there well yeah that's a, that's one of the the biggest challenges and actually the biggest joys um so look we've we've all been in in motorsport a fairly long time now and um some of the guys who are working for me uh i worked i worked as their apprentice at, at prodrive um when i was at uni and and actually before university so um what tends to happen is we all we all keep in touch uh, inevitably and um every every couple of years we we ring each other up and say come on you're you ready to do another one uh there's, there's a problem we're all getting older and uh bearing in mind some of the guys i was uh, I, I was employing this year were, were in fact my you know i was their apprentice then they're a little bit older than me so it's a huge challenge to 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 get get people, uh, get the right sort of people. And of course, we, we won't just take anyone. Um, Andy Brown, uh, who, who joined us uh, partway through last year, earlier than that, in fact, um, he had a great black book of contacts. So he must take credit for, for sourcing a whole load of new unsuspecting uh, <laughs> people to come and charge around Africa. But it is a challenge. But the one thing is, the, the, the thing that makes it most special is you then live with each other for, you know, let's say a month. And the, the team spirit that we experience, and it's the same with the, with the drivers, to work with Ken and to work with Alex, to work with all our clients. You, we live with each other day in, day out, and it's bloody special. Yeah. So um, it's, a, it's a big thing. And, and we, we are all getting older. The average age of the team is creeping up. So if anyone's listening and wants to get involved in so Fire Rally 2023, then uh, you know where to apply. <laughs> and, and Richard, you had a support crew of around 70 people. Like, what are the logistics or what are the logistics headaches in trying to get that number of people out to an event like, uh, on the scale of the safari? Biggest, uh, biggest headache is remembering their names. So, <laughs> second, second thing is, look, it was bloody difficult this year because of COVID. So do you book flights? Do you not book flights? What, what's the what's the what's the risk of losing of losing hundreds of thousands of dollars on on um, on stuff you have to pay a, a long time in advance? The organisers were fantastic in helping us with um, ensuring that we weren't really really chancing our arm on that stuff. But look, essentially, you've got to send fourteen cars. You've got to send, let's say, fourteen car kits plus doubling up on many, many things. So we have a 40-foot container that travels with us. That's air-conditioned. 300, 400 tyres. Uh, some cars are shipped. Some cars are um, flown. When we get there, we've got to then have, let's say, 30 support vehicles. We, we have a, a pretty good system now. Um, and then, then, you know, normal years, you're across Tanzania and, and Kenya, so you've got to deal with currency. It, it's, it's, on the face of it, it's absolutely mammoth. We, to a certain extent, now have a very, very well-oiled system, so it it isn't quite as daunting as it once was. And and it took us took us probably five rallies to finally, what I would say, hit the sort of sweet spot in terms of the level of support, the amount of guys, what type of people. Um, it's it's a huge, huge task, and and there are brilliant people making this happen. I am not one of them. <laughs> 
thankfully. <laughs> and Alex, from your point of view, like competing in events in America and, and Europe and that, how do you, you know what preparation is completely is, is preparation completely different to go to the safari rally or is, is there any anything that you can carry over? Well, yeah, it's a it's a very different event compared to what we've been doing for the past twenty years because it's um, the route is kept secret and it is kept secret quite well. Uh, we get the route book the day prior each leg and. Uh, even an idea of the itinerary and the maps uh, was quite late. So my only uh, preparation I could do it was actually to speak to what ended up being my, my teammates. You know, I had some calls, you know, with Ryan Champion, with Stefan Prevost. I spoke to Fabrizio Pons at length, you know, and and um, and they gave me tips, you know, what how to uh, what to look for, you know, how to be as prepared as possible, and then. Uh, uh, I actually learned quite a bit of, about the event from a, a very good documentary. That, that there is a couple of them on YouTube, and one is, you know, from from the from title theme, from their experience of the event. It's, it's about an hour long. It, I think it's from two or three editions ago. So I watched that a couple of times. I wrote some notes, and those notes generated questions for my teammates and you know for people within the team and for my team and for our team manager that I don't do, which has competed. Um, many times there when he was uh, working with Mitsubishi. Um, and then uh, there is another video uh, that the organizer puts up. It's slightly longer. So all that gave me an idea of what we were expecting. I had done uh, route chartered events only, you know, 20, 25 years ago when we first, when I first moved to America, events used to be blind events, a bit like the RIT and WRC used to be many years ago. So, um, Working with just a raw book is something that I had done before. And then we go every couple of years, we do other events that are similar to that, like the Alpine Rally in, uh, in Australia or the Silver Fern. Fern. So I competed those events. And uh, uh, so there was an idea, but this, the safari is just special because the magnitude, like Richard was mentioning a moment ago, and the length of the event is just uh, three times what you know, the Alpine Rally or the Silver Fern Rally are. So, uh, but the idea, the, the concept was the same. So that was the only preparation I could do. Uh, we were very lucky because we were able to do a, quite a comprehensive test before getting in the car and getting to know the car. And myself as a car understanding what this car does, because I haven't spent much time in rear-wheel drive cars. You know, it's been motor cars for the past 10 years. Uh, so then put us, I mean, the, the home, Work sort of put us in good shape for the for the event, and we ended up, you know, leading after day one, and then uh, still be in in top positions, you know, for the rest of the event. Um, so uh, I guess the homework was right, and uh, um, we had a, we had a good idea of how to approach the event at the start. And Richard, um, Alan Harriman spoke an absolute rally about, you know, being paired off with driver, drivers and co-drivers being paired together. Like, that must take some work on your side to get the, the perfect combination in each car. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a hell of a responsibility. And, and again, we, I've seen it go spectacularly well and spectacularly um, badly. And I think, so we, we speak to the clients, and the first thing is understanding the mission. Um, now, Alex, you might have to close your, your ears here, but look, there's, there's a co-driver that you can hire that can do a job. You might not want to go to the bar with him. 
but but you he, he will do a, he will do a great job for you. Um, then there's a co-driver who who will you know who will do do everything and be a great bloke as well. So it's it's actually clients clients are given a, a choice. Uh, I advise them quite strongly on who I might think uh, will work, and then ultimately. Uh, in, in Alan's case, he came over and did a test with with Richard Axel, and and they got on like a house on fire. I think that's a relationship which will continue. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we we offer everything. I mean, the reality is that the only thing you have to do if you want to do a safari rally with us um, is uh, is book your own flight. We can take care of every other aspect of the event, but it comes with its some um, challenges. Yeah. And like you know, the, like sort of uh, Alan's uh, driver, he had never competed in a rally, never mind competed in Africa before. That must throw up different challenges as well. I got a thing about what's necessary to, to, to go and do a rally, and I believe it's very different to doing a circuit um, circuit race. In circuit race, you directly impact everybody else. The rallying, it's less less of a thing. Um, what prepares you for the safari rally? Well, as Patrick Sandell said, day two, top of, I don't know, somewhere, roughest stage on the rally with tyres coming off with down to the canvas. And Patrick, who's done enough rallying, at a high level, as we all know, and been very, very successful. His w- exact words were, I thought I'd done some rallying. It turns out I've never done a rally. <laughs> so so no matter how, how many rallies you've done, until you've, until you've got to the end of a 150K stage in Kenya, you haven't lived. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I, I think this business about taking novices to Kenya, if you look at it another way, we do a couple of days training in Sweden at our ice driving school. We do a couple of days at Walters or Sweet Lab. Um, then you've got nine days of driving and the, the, the mileage that they do would be 10 seasons in the British Championship. Yeah. So by the end of the rally, they're more experienced than anyone who's been through the MSA licence qualifying criteria. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I think it's great to have a, if you have a brilliant, if you have a brilliant co-driver next to you, of mm-hmm. course you can be managed, but it works. It works very, very successfully and, and it's something I have no qualms about doing Excellent. forever. Yeah, it, it works. Why you know why you change it? It's like truly, you know. So, and then Alex, back to yourself there again. Like that, you know, spend so long in a car. Like again, going back to the absolute rally podcast. Like they mentioned that this was equivalent. One day was equivalent to a full WRC event. You know, does that then bring its challenges? Do you have to work on your fitness, your stamina, as well? Yes, we. You definitely have to look. We we try to keep you know fit as much as possible with this job that we do in national championship and international events. But uh, like Richard said a moment ago, this is next level. So we knew we were, you know, we were gonna be presented with this challenge. So a couple months prior to that, we worked on on on, on personally, and I know that Ken does the same thing on, on stamina, on on endurance, and, and slightly changed um, the fitness program. The, that we work with and uh, and uh, it's something that you have to do you you're an hour an hour 10 minutes per single stage on, on some of the longest stages in the car it takes a long time you know that, that hour yeah it goes by fast but then you know you 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 realize that you know what a hundred hundred and ten kilometer stage is like and some of them like especially day one you know there were some long stages and they were like proper rally stages with a lot of technicality Later in the event, yeah, there were long stages, but there were long straights as well, and and those stages went went by really 
quick, even if there were long stages, but generally the event required uh, a next level of uh, physical and mental preparation. So to prepare for that was different. To experience it firsthand was something that uh, uh, as a competitor, as a rally core driver, it's priceless. I gained so much experience in one event. Uh, it was pretty much like, you know, <laughs> three, four years of rallying elsewhere, yeah. And then, uh, Colin, yourself, like, how do you go about preparing for an event like this as well? You know, it's, it's not, you know, just throw a few things in the bag and off we go, you know. <laughs> oh, I wish uh, I wish I could just ring up Richard and book a flight <laughs> ticket. But uh, normally, on, say, a WRC rally, I will drive every stage as a recce, mm -hmm. same as the competitors do, and that, that's a day and a half, two days. And unless you live in Kenya are incredibly wealthy or have a lot of free time, you can't recce the classic safari, no chance. So got a bit of a confession that uh, McCline have a local man, a guy called Jeff Mays, and both Richard, he's used Jeff as his local fix-it man, and uh, Alex knows Jeff quite well. But whenever there's a rally in Africa, we use Jeff. He joins the team. I stay in his house beforehand. He lives up in Naivasha. And he's, uh, he also owns uh, Bolo, Bolo, you call it Bolo Wildcat uh, raid car. So he actually drives in uh, Kenyan championship events. So he knows these roads. Mm -hmm. uh, he's also fantastic with the animals. He's a, a safari guide by, by day. Uh, he's yeah. also a very good photographer. And he's also quite a shit joke teller. So the whole package works quite <laughs> to team up with Jeff. That's what we always do. And, uh, Glad you mentioned the last bit. Yeah, true, huh? Imagine seven days, nine days of that. Like you get one rest day from the jokes. But, uh, yeah, I mean, without some local help and a wealth of experience, like my business partner, Reinhard's done all 10 yeah. uh, Safari Classic rallies. So... Between the pair of us, we know certain sections. But if I was to say, if your main client is Ken Block, on a rally like the Safari Rally, well, Ken Block's, uh, he's got 6.8 million uh, Instagram followers. Yeah. And that's been built up through the Jim Carner videos and the, mainly the videos he's done. Yeah. So when you're talking in terms of stills photography, which is what I do, 6.7999 million of those people have an attention span of five seconds. So you have to find yeah, some like mega you. action to satisfy your client. And uh, so the pressure's on a little bit from delivering those images from what is a very unique event, which isn't all about the wild Jim Carner style action. It's quite different. So mm -hmm. that was quite a nice challenge this year to uh, work with Ken. And I would say it's something you relish. It's been, you know, getting the envelope pushed up a wee bit more. It's something that I would say excited you before you left. Well, and Alex will back me up on this. There's not, I worked with many, many drivers over the years in different events, but you can talk to Ken quite openly. You do your research and you talk to him and he's, you know, he's, he's looking for something quite specific and you have to deliver it. Mm -hmm. But he's very open to discussing where are you going to be? This is where I think this will be good. Yep, I'll basically send it. And uh, maybe Alex will pick up a little anecdote about that from the safari. But it's worked in the past and because I know what's needed. 
Mm-hmm. Alex, you want to take that then? Oh, I agree 100%. And we, we've done a lot of work now with Colin over the years in many different uh, environments, you know, from the Alps, you know, to Italian stages, uh, to uh, Caribbean islands, you know, and now the safari. So uh, it is... Uh, it is critical nowadays. I see how the world, how the sport, how the sport has changed so much. You have sometimes brilliant, <coughs> talented drivers that are incredible behind the steering wheel, but they can't produce the level of uh, um, social media or exposure that a, a good corporate sponsor needs. You know, or either small or big sponsors. You know, and and then you have someone like Ken that. that has really set the bar over the last 15 years. And I, I know this is my 17th year co-driving for him, which in, in rally terms is like 100 years and everything else. You know, it's, a, it's been a very long partnership. So I've learned a lot by working with him, understanding what the guy does um, when it comes to media exposure and things like that. And, and obviously his, his credentials, you know, back that up and because i mean look we never said top three wrc stage times but we had some pretty corporate um sponsors uh, you know stitched to our race suits you know mm-hmm. and the last signing which has been audi has been some it's it's been such a such a big deal because it, it it's an auto, automotive manufacturer that uh, has focused on other ways of uh, creating exposure and, and and advertisement so to go after a rally driver and ask them, hey, we want to be your partners for two, three years, whatever that is, you know, it shows you that we're talking about a different type of driver uh, and a different type of approach to motorsport, which, like I said a moment ago, unfortunately, has changed, you know, results nowadays are not that critical. Are they? Mm-hmm. What's critical is what you give to your sponsor, the amount of exposure, uh, the amount of uh, coverage. So it is what it is. Yeah, like just you know, as an aside to that, like it's something that a lot of young drivers coming up through the ranks should be looking at and you know taking from that, really, shouldn't it? Yes, look, it's easier said than done, obviously. But again, is there the example has been set? There is a lot of drivers that are doing a good job, and uh, however, it it is difficult. It is difficult. You need to have the the tools. In your hands to create the social exposures and the tools are you know the Colin McMaster you know the the Hoonigan media machine and things like that and then you have to have the brain that manage the all the all those tools so um yeah it's easier said than done but okay I'll leave it like that I, I'm not an expert it's been great to to be uh, following this from the sidelines and you know from the, the right side of the car and experiencing all that and understanding um how this machine has worked really and colin you alluded to there there was a few uh it's not fair maybe to say setups but a few places that you told ken you were going to be he provided the the entertainment then yeah i think uh i remember alex talked about the alps we did uh digress from safari but we did a rally in valet in switzerland and there's quite a well-known uh jump on one of the stages and Ken and Alex did their recce and we met up afterwards. I said, well, I'm definitely going to this jump. And this is where, you know, the, the Ken brain kicks in. He goes, sits with Alex, says, right, look at the notes. And it was, you'll have to, I don't know pace notes, but it, I think it, the note was uh, five right, 100 crests or whatever he said. It was fifth gear corner, 
100 meters crest. I said, well, what does that mean? He said, well, it means I've got 100 meters to make up my mind if I'm going to lift or not. <laughs> and you say you're going there, his video crew are going there. You get in position, you have to, he'll deliver the, the action, you deliver the image. It's yeah. simple as that. And it, that's the trust in the relationship that works. So when we went to Kenya, he had his own uh, videographer there, a really nice guy called Pierre Weekberg, who's uh, worked with Pierre before. And I, Pierre asked me on the, the very first stage of the first day, where shall he go? And I said, well, you couldn't, I told him where I was going and said, in between where I'm going, where Reinhardt is, there's a crest. But it, for a stills image, there's nothing. It's a, under a tree in the shadow. And so Pierre went there with, and got it. Nice shot, open up with a bit of action, just what Ken wants. Mm -hmm. So Ken asked me if I went there. So a little bit, the pressure's on. So the next day I thought, right, that's it. I'm going to a jump. You go through the road book and the very first section had uh, two or three crests quite near the start. So 12 Ks in, 12 Ks. It's like a long way down an <laughs> island. That's the whole stage, you know. Yeah. But, uh, so I drove over these crests thinking, oh, I don't know. Not sure, not sure. So you send the message back. I'm on the third crest and it's absolutely flat out. And uh, I knew it was flat out because the school bus went flat out. <laughs> <laughs> and that, it was that strange that I was thinking, God, am I in the right place here? Because this could be absolutely rubbish. And uh, Ken was the first car on the road, except he wasn't. There was, uh, he, Alex and Ken had two punches, I think, early on in the section. So they ended up, when they fixed those, they were third on the road. And the first two cars, the first car on the road was the the winner, I think, uh, Baldev Shagger. And, and he, he wouldn't clear your wallet. On and, you know, he doesn't jump he's, but he's an expert in Kenya and then the next one was uh, Rosenberg I think and they both took it's a bit of a lift and it was nothing and you think I'm in totally the wrong place and then too late to get the message through and all I can hear is this uh, flat six flat out for 300 metres <laughs> absolute commitment and uh, Alex and I and uh, Richard I'm sorry we'll have to disagree on this Ken got the shot he was happy about it but it was uh, one of those moments, I, I didn't expect to go to Kenya to make pace notes for Ken Block. <laughs> we better be careful oh. who's going to listen to this, boys, because next thing we're going to be accused of illegal wrecking. And, uh, <laughs> that's a discussion that doesn't need to be had. But um, Illegal photography. But, that also explains the damage on the car. So, okay, so it's your fault, Colin. Well, I, actually, I went to service uh, straight after that and uh, was checking the front and... Uh, uh, luckily, there's no radiator on an air-cooled 911. <laughs> was that the Was that the one that it was it doing a bit of that? I've got the, I've got the images. If you uh, oh, yeah yeah mm -hmm. if you if I can work out how to do this, I can show you exactly what we're talking Please about. Please make sure you're about to show us the right thing, Colin. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you yeah. talk from experience, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> That's the the uh, the truck delivering the crisps and milk. I think the village absolutely flat out. Mm -hmm. Can you, does that work? Yeah, that works. This is Ken. Uh, mm -hmm. And yeah, I had my heart in the mouth, I have to admit, but uh, that's the image that the client wants. Uh, yeah. During the safari, there is two group text messages. One is calling myself and one is Richard and myself. And those text messages, they all supersede each other. One text, the other one text. So put yourself in my shoes. I'm between a rock and a hard place, you know, where you have... <laughs> The, the 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 calling where we you know we need to deliver the uh, the 
images and the correct media that impresses the viewers. And on the other side, you have uh, the team boss that says this car has to finish um, the rally without a single scratch. It did have a couple of scratches, but not nothing major. So I think at the end of the event, we achieved the media and brought the car home in one piece. I think the job was half done. At least. Yes. <laughs> it's, a, it's a fine line. You're having to keep the two camp, camps up. <laughs> yeah, Yeah, go on, go on, go on. Just wondering, what was the expectation at the start? Well, I think look, I think that's um, Ken come Ken comes with a, uh, you know, he comes with a reputation. Uh, But thank, I don't tend to, I I tend to judge the, the any book by its cover. So. A lot of chat was, look, he won't get past the first stage. He's going to do this. He's going to do that. He's going to ruin the car. Uh, and, and, and I can honestly say, genuinely, no, no bullshit, if I can say that, that they, they had one incident which did some damage. Other than that, we really didn't put anything on their car. And he, I, I drove very briefly with him in Saudi Arabia. Alex, what was what was uh, yourself and Ken's expectations going into the rally? You know, we mentioned being fast early on. Was that part of the? Yeah, the, the where look, I, I know Ken as a driver well, and I know his character, and and I knew that Ken has not spent any time in. Uh, he hasn't spent a lot of time in real drive car cars, and hasn't spent really any time driving standard gearbox cars. So I was a little. Um, like okay, it's gonna take a little bit to get used to this car, but it it did take a little bit. But it was a combination of factors. The car ended up uh, feeling and driving uh, very. It was very user friendly, and and I think it goes down to the dampers and the way the car is set up. You know, the the test that Richard was referring, it was actually a really good test road because it was laps of uh, probably three and a half Ks that we that got, you know, got to experience the car in a similar scenario, push it, push it every lap. So there was a good test there, but the car uh, ended up being a user-friendly car to begin with. And uh, as soon as we got used to how to manipulate the gearbox and, and what to do with weight transfer and how to use the torque on the engine, uh, the progression started becoming quite, quite good. And then we did another test that was, uh, uh, in an op- more open area and uh, with some force, and there was a very good test as well. Look, I, I'm a firm believer that you win rallies from Greki and from the test. Driving flat out on race day, that's that's easy if you've done your work on the on the on the test and on the Greki. In this case, we don't have a Greki at this event, but mm-hmm. the test was very good. We were given the the, the good roads to to do a good test, and uh, we were given the given the good feedback from the technical side of the team and from Richard that. Uh, and the driver improved quite a bit uh, from the first time he drove the car when I was sitting next to him to when we were done with the, with the testing. So that was a big help and allowed us to get familiar with the vehicle and, and, the, and the characteristics of the vehicle push from the world ball. Excellent, excellent. And Colin, go back to yourself there. You know, we talked about, you know, you can't rake at the stages, no. And like, we know with the wildlife and things in Africa, do you have to kind of be kind of more or less on the hoof Going along and you'll see like uh, like a elephant standing and you'll stop and think we can make a shot out of this or what way does that work? Well, you have to understand Africa. Uh, 
before understanding what you're going to do with your camera there. Mm-hmm. And the same sort of thing applied when the WRC went there after how many years it was, 10-year uh, break or whatever, 20-year yeah. break from WRC. And they all said, well, they're just short little stages, no rougher than Acropolis or wherever, we'll be fine. You think, hang on a minute, Africa's different. The road can bite you anywhere. And you've got the animals and all sorts of other hazards that you won't find anywhere else. Africa's unique. And of course, that played out when uh, Robin Perra got stuck in Fesh Fesh, when uh, Neville broke on the last day, when Auger smashed the suspension on the first day, lost three minutes, still won the rally. This is what rallying Africa is typically providing, plus the weather. So none of these guys in WRC had seen uh, black, what's called black cotton soil, when the, the dark soil, when the rain comes, it gives you zero grip. So you learn all these things, but you you can understand, yep, rain, uh, going to get black cotton, no grip soil, uh, dry, dusty area, going to get fesh fesh. What you can't predict is the animals. And uh, this year on the uh, classic safari, they ran two uh, complete long road sections. I think Alex will tell you that they're about 35 kilometers through not a conservatory, but a national park, Amboseli National Park. And uh, I've never seen the, the park so full of wildlife. And no, it was busy, wasn't it? It was. It was it, I've been there and, you know, it was dry. It was, Africa has been dry for many months now. They're, they're going towards a drought. They had the floods. That's why we saw lakes that didn't exist in that park, completely flooded areas. And so my, as I mentioned before, Reinhard, when he saw this as a road section in the mornings, great wildlife viewing through the National Park. He said, do you mind if I just do the animals? So, you know, Mr. 6.8 million Instagram followers got pictures of a 9-11 driving past elephant, wildebeest, zebra, and flamingo on the same day. And I think, I mean, Alex would back me up on this. I think he was quite overwhelmed by the whole thing. You know, they basically drove past a herd of elephant and then ran the corner past a lake and it was full of flamingos. The best bit of this story was, you know, 65-year-old Reinhard got caught by the park rangers getting out of his car and going <laughs> off beast and got fined. <laughs> and uh, there were three ranger guards that stopped him and he looked into the car and saw, yeah, one, two, three, 10, 20, 30,000 Kenyan shillings, and off he went. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> I didn't put that on the invoice to Ken. I should have done 30,000 shillings park uh, ranger fines. And Richard, you know, I suppose you could be considered veterans now of competing in Africa. Does it get any easier, or are you still discovering and learning things on each trip? Uh, you never look so never take anything for granted. I think it probably goes for anything in life, but the um, we, we, ju- we just we just stick to a stick to a formula. We work we work so hard uh, in, in every respect, and the, the mission is keep small problems small, don't let them develop. Um, and as long as you do that, you're going to be all right, but but we. We're considered a big team, and of course we are a big team. There's not many. Our, our record is 17 directly run cars, and I, even Malcolm Wilson might struggle to keep up with that. But then if you put that into, into perspective, 17 cars in the Safari Rally, well, no one can compete with that. Um, so we're, we're considered this sort of big, 
you know, dominant force on the rally. And of course, by numbers, we, we take a lot of people. We run less support per car than any other team on that rally. So you're allowed three technicians, you're allowed management vehicles, you're allowed three service vehicles, you're allowed a whole load of things. We have, we have less cars and less people per car than any other team. But what we do extremely well uh, is we work like hell. We, we, if, you, if you have some time on the road section, you use it. So you might on the, the, the third road, the, 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 after the third stage before the um, two hour service that we get every evening, we'll use that time. We won't just kick the tires and send the car down the road. We'll, we'll bolt check the front end. We'll remove the sump guards. We'll, we'll do whatever we can in that 20 minutes so that we have 20 minutes more when we get to the main service at night, we'll wash the cars on the way back. We have we set up a we set up a wash station, and uh, sometimes I'm privileged enough to wash the cars. So um, we, we just work very very hard. And yes, you learn every time, um, uh, like anything in life. Uh, but you just got to be ready for ready for something you've never seen. And, and it actually doesn't matter how many cars you run. Seventeen cars was the best we ever operated as a team. Because if if I'd got that wrong, it would have been commercial suicide. The following year it was eight, and we're like, ha, it's eight cars, it's a bit of double. <laughs> but you had what you had weather, you had a whole load of circumstances that worked against you. You know, we've got a massive mission on the road sections to keep up with the rally. So we just we just work at it. And and uh, I um there's nothing I'd rather work for than 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 the Safari Rally because it's uh, it's life-changing, genuinely life-changing for everybody who takes part. I think Kevin, the uh Richard's quite modest here that I've said to him previous events he could actually win the safari rally himself driving definitely mm-hmm. but he's too much of a businessman take that as it's meant listen um, my job is to look after these guys but it's a i did a safari in 2000 and oh shit not to help me here colin 2001 or something 2002 That's in awesome. a subaru oh, okay. no that was in no that was in a subaru yeah. in the wrc yeah. and then I made a terrible mistake of co-driving in 2003. Never do that again. Um, but I've, d- I've, probably done, I've probably done more miles of testing than most other people ever have, in it, certainly in 9-11s. And one day, of course, it might be nice to do it. But whilst it's a, whilst it's a really important part of our business, I, my absolute focus is on doing the best I can for our brilliant clients. But just to, drive, just to do the testing and just to drive in Africa is a privilege. So. Maybe you co-drive for me, Colin, when we're all retired. Yeah, if you want to get if you want to get lost. <laughs> um, like Alex, I suppose like competing in America and Europe, and you know, we we, might, we touched on this earlier. Like you have your pace notes, and you know you do your recce and all that. To go from that to a road book that you presented with the night before, and all you have is the road book and the GPS. Like, is is that? Does it take a few days just to get your head around all that? How, how to make it all come together and be committed to call, like, a, you know, a, a section flat out to Ken? Yes, it, it is. Obviously, it takes some getting used to. Also, because every clerk of the course have their own style of, of creating and, in, and interpreting a road and translating into uh, a route book. And... Uh, uh the, the the gps has been an addition for this year and um, and definitely keeps things much safer because uh uh it is um it is a concern when you're dealing with open roads you know that you could you know 
easily take a, a wrong turn and end up several kilometers, you know, uh, before you realize it. So it's, a, it's an introduction that they did this year and, uh, and they wanted to. I think they were asked to, to do that, to keep things safer. The rub book um, interpretation is something that it, it takes a few you know, kilometers to getting used to it and understanding what the clerical court mean by each tulip and uh, each, you know, description and everything. And then you hope that that information will be consistent to the entire event. Um, so look, uh, it is the only way to run a, an event of this magnitude. It will be impossible to do a, a, a 2,700 kilometers rally with, you know, with recce and everything. So uh, this sort of endurance events uh, are, are you know, route book only. I'll be honest, it's not my favorite type of, of uh, but but then with this specific event, you have so many other things that are unique and incredible that as a competitor, as a co-driver, you tend to forget like, okay, I'm not reading pace notes, I'm, I'm interpreting uh, the, the signage and the wording that Clerk of the Course uh, has, has created. Ken at the end of the event, he said, hey, Alex, we won eight stages. That's, that's pretty good first time there. And I said, time, mate, you won eight stages. You know, I was here trying to interpreting and reading to you this information every couple of kilometers or whatever, you know. So I, I didn't feel as a co-driver I was as in, involved or as uh, critical, let's put it this way, as I would be in a normal rally. Uh, but then at the end, this is a type of event that is it's such an incredible event that I said to myself, I'm going to go home. I'm going to take several days to think this through and, and, and learn from what has happened, the positive, the negative. And then after I did it for several days, I said, no, that's not enough. So it's going to take a few weeks, you know, and then I'll go back to my material. I'll, I'll go through the route book and everything and, and, and think what happened, you know, and, and the experiences that we had over the eight days of competition. So... Just by me telling you this makes you realize the magnitude of this event compared to a normal yeah. rally and uh, what you're dealing with as a competitor. Yeah, I, the fact that you just can't step out of the car and say, job done, move on to the next event. It's taken a wee while just to process it all through. Yeah, absolutely. And you really don't do that with any other event. No. You know, mm -hmm. you get back home, route book, pace notes in the, in the yeah. shelf ready mm -hmm. for next year. This is an event that you have to think over through seriously. And to me, that was one of the highlights of the event. Having doing a rally, doing an event like this that has taught me so much, not about just competition and rallying, but fuck, excuse my English, but yeah. about life as well. You know what I mean? You know, yeah. you know, dealing with, with, with a team and working with a team for so many days, you know, being with a driver together for so many days, hundreds and hundreds of kilometers, you know. This is just different. Yeah, different level. Mm -hmm. And then, like, Richard, you know, I was wondering how to put this. Like, before the event, you know, these drivers who, you know, your clients come along, do you have to give them a certain bit of mechanical knowledge before the event as well that they can carry out, you know, basic roadside repairs to get them to the end of stages or end of service or whatever? It, it's going gonna, it's gonna to help at some point. Um, mm -hmm. Honestly... I mean, this sounds extraordinary. I'm touching some some wood at this point. You know, we we don't have a massive problems on on the event. Um, the the standout performance uh, this rally was Patrick Sandell's co-driver Henrik, who set who changed a, a drive shaft uh, 
in about 20 minutes. Now, I can promise you to change a drive shaft in 20 minutes in a service area is tough. So that was mighty impressive. So, yes, we do some training uh, for those that want it. Um, they actually, the cars don't carry very much. They carry a spare drive shaft because that will actually stop the car, um, although that will be fixed by the next rally, finally. Um, and they carry a bit of brake fluid, some tie wraps, and, you know, some bodging kit. But we have, a, we have a philosophy in the team that we don't want to carry anything because the more you carry, the more you've got to carry. Therefore, the car's going to have to work harder. Um, they're extraordinarily reliable. And um, we rely on drivers and co-drivers to give us good feedback when we see them. So they must mention everything. They must tell us what they're feeling, whether it's big, small, because we're, we're always looking for changes. But yeah, it, a bit of training certainly helps. Yeah. I could sometimes it can be that small thing that, you know, that can be prevented, turned into a big thing. You know, it might only feel like a small vibration now, but that could be the start of something. And if it's dealt with at the start, it's, it's no longer a problem. Yeah, nip it in the bud. Um, and, and you'd rather be doing some preventative stuff than dealing with a major problem we have. Obviously, we'd, we would rather take penalty and send a car into a 100-plus K stage healthily than, than, than risk it. Um, so it, it's, a, it's a challenge. We, we, don't, we, can't, we can't really drive the cars very often, as in I can't jump in the car and drive. I kind of drive it on a road section occasionally if I have to. And we've got altitude changes in the rallies, so we have to worry about jetting. So it's proper old-school mechanicing. Um, and uh, you've just got to keep at it. I'm sorry, I just, uh, another thing that just popped into my head, like your father was out on the event and your son, so three generations of the <clears> Tuttle <throat> family, that, that's a nice thing to have as well. And I believe your father's still very hands-on. Well, he is. He's, he's, a, he's a huge asset, um, as he is a huge pain in the arse. So <laughs> um, I, uh, I have to live with my father for, for 25 days, and um, uh, that is sort of wonderful. Um, and yeah, Fred came along. Um, so I, f I first went to the Safari Rally in 1981, which I was seven. Dad did it in a Saab. And I can still taste the pineapple juice that I drank at a hotel in Nairobi. So I guess something got into me at that, at that point. And then when I get off the plane in Nairobi or Mombasa, you, 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 smell, you smell Kenya, you smell Africa, and, it's the, and you feel it in your body. And it's the most wonderful feeling. So to... to it just happened that because of the uh, postponed event, February fell in half term for Fred. Um, okay, it took another cheeky week or off so they could do the whole rally. Why not? Um, it was very, very special. And I, I'm sure that will live with him. Uh, uh, it'll also live with Ken because Fred got Ken to sign a T-shirt every night, um, <laughs> day one, day two, day three, so on. So he's going to auction them for a charity, um, a Kenyan charity. So it was a great privilege to have him with us. Excellent. Yeah, two two things to say there. Uh, firstly, Henrik changing a drive shaft in the bush in twenty minutes must have been Game a front changer. drive shaft. <laughs> that was quite something. But uh, any father that takes his son out of school for a week to go on a rally deserves father of the decade. <laughs> yes. That's the kind of dad you want. Of course, you. <laughs> Got to do your bit now and then. There's, uh, there's more to life than. Than, yeah. uh, than the school room. <laughs> Richard's, Richard's absolutely right. You could blindfold me and transport me to Africa, and as soon as I walked off the plane, I knew I would know exactly where I was. It's quite unique. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Alex, you mentioned earlier how challenging the event is. Like, it's nine grueling days of rallying. Considering you got a new road book every night, did you actually get a chance to sleep? Uh, 
Yes, uh, you you do get the chance to sleep, and you have to sleep somehow because otherwise, you know, uh, you won't see the end of it. Uh, uh, so it is it is not as challenging as a as a recce event because you know you're not you don't have to clean hundreds of kilometers of pace notes, so and you don't have to then watch them on video and everything. So that you don't have that time spent doing that. Um, so it, it is what I expected as far as time frame. And uh, um, one of the, the challenges of this event is that you're moving locations, you know, if not every day, every every couple of days, which requires a logistical, you know, massive effort from the team and uh, everybody associated with it. So it is, uh, it, that's different compared to other events where, you know, I checked in in this hotel room uh, yesterday and I'll be here for another five days, you know testing tomorrow, uh, recce the following day, two days event, and then the following day you leave. So that's, that's the different part of it. But again, the, the team is so well organized and they've done this so many times that uh, you follow some procedures, you follow the schedule, and you know that tomorrow you'll check out. Oh, then you'll be in this hotel for two, three days. So you adjust your, your timing and, uh, and with that you're adjusting, you know, the work that you're doing together with, um, with the sleep that you're going to have. And then Colin, like for you to move around, like you know, you talked about the characteristics of the road, you know, the muck, the the if it rains, you know, there's no grip, and you know, how do, how do you physically move from location to location? Well, on on this rally, it's it's more about quality than quantity. So okay. typically, we had three stages every day, mm-hmm. and there was a couple of days where it was a loop. Most times, it was linear. So you're down to one stage a day. And you might as well pick the best location you can. And you do have the advantage where you can just drive, just drive the roads and see what you see. But you, mm-hmm. you tend to, from experience, know this section's well known for some fesh fest. This one's quite bumpy. This is rough. This is, you know, you look for different things. Or, I mean, there was the classic long day uh, before the rest day. We started at the foot of Mount Kenya and finished at the foot of Kilimanjaro. And if you know Kenya geography, it was a long day. And uh, to me, that was something quite special. I would love to have uh, photographed the cars with both mountains, but these mountains were quite, uh, they're quite elusive with the clouds. So you never <laughs> actually saw the Kili this year properly with the rally cars, which, you know, and, and again, for me, that that's not a problem because I'll go back to Kenya. I'll go back to this rally and there's years when you see it and there's years we don't. So. Uh, it's you have to be reactive and proactive. So if you hear that there's rains in section two and there's an advanced car and you can find the information, uh, what's going on, you try and get there. You know, I've seen some amazing things on this classic safari with half the field stuck at a mud hole. And, you know, this year was dry apart yeah. from one set, one part of one section. And I'd love to ask Richard something about yeah. these 9-11s in the mud. Uh, Bjorn Valdegard, I haven't talked about him, but uh, Bjorn was the very first winner of any safari rally in a Porsche. And yeah. That was 2011. Is that correct? Yeah. yeah. Amazing man. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, man. completely. I, my uh, business partner again, Reinhard, he did the uh, Hong Kong Beijing rally in the early years. Five days he towed Bjorn Valdegard on a tow rope through China. And so <laughs> they got quite a good relationship. And it was on that rally in 2011 that Reinhard introduced me to Bjorn. 
and uh, wow. sat next to each other at dinner. Ironically, it was the night my father died. And uh, I actually met a legend when a hero of mine passed away. And uh, I asked Bjorn, knowing how good he was in Africa and knowing how good particularly he is in mud, how do you drive in the mud? And Bjorn said to me, third gear, 3,000 RPM. And it stuck <laughs> in my head. And I would love to know, firstly, from Richard, if that's true or not. And secondly, from Alex, there's a video, Ken, posted of you doing like uh, dancing on ice in the mud, uh, 360 here, there and everywhere. What was he up to? Was he in third gear at 3000 RPM? And is it true? <laughs> Richard, I don't think Ken, Ken's never Ken's never been anywhere at third gear. At 3000 RPM. <laughs> so that I can answer that before Alex gets the chance. Um, if anything Bjorn says is going to be true, and that that year he won. Um, you know, bear in mind, you remember he was very, very ill before the rally. I mean, he turned up, and when I say looked like death, we 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 saw him when he arrived, and we, Dad and I both started thinking, okay, we need another driver. There's no way he's going to pull through. And he got fitter and fitter. He got younger and younger actually during the event. But he came to the end of some of those stages, and it when it was wet, and he he, he confessed that there was an element of luck as to how he got through some of these long sections. And I think there's mega photos that Reinhard and, and you are probably responsible for the, the Toyota coming through. It looks like a hippo coming out of a mud hole. Um, of course, rear wheel drive uh, and, and traction with a Porsche engine helps. But there's a point where the tyre, and Bjorn was very, very keen to point there's a point the tyre just cannot do anything. We, we have been able to, in the past, use mud tyres, makes a significant difference. Um, but at a certain point, you're all passengers, 3,000 RPM, third gear or, or otherwise. And I think the, the biggest skill is reading the road, understanding uh, where there is, where there's deep water, where there's less mud, more mud, whatever it might be. And you saw, you often see cars coming through the bush because it's actually better to be on the curb. But he, he, had, he probably he had a, a sense that none of us have got. Um, he also had this incredible ability to know what the front of a 911 did uh, i have to left foot brake to to reassure myself as to what what's happening at the front he didn't left foot brake he's very aggressive with his right foot but um he knew what the front of the car was doing uh, in a 911 and even when stig was his teammate with us stig just said whatever bjorn says i'm having no question uh, he was he's a, he's a remarkable man um, and we've got a lot to thank him for and alex the dancing on ice. <laughs> Do you want to talk? Yeah, that was actually. There was. I don't want to say funny, but you know, there was. That stage was the day after I made the mistake. You know, they cost us, you know, two hours in penalties or whatever that was. So I was like in, in the car, sort of like enjoying seeing him struggle because, like, oh, now you see what it feels like to struggle. <laughs> and, and, uh, but you know, it, it was quite. It was quite vocal in the car, and I was chuckling. You know, because it's just. It was just like ice, you know. But again, there was a, another learning step of understanding what the 911 does and how you drive the 911. Look, when we crossed the finish line of that stage, we were both quite relieved. And there is a classic picture on social media where the car is completely brown. The lever is, is completely covered in mud. And it's such a classic safari photo right there, yes. isn't it? You know, I think it's it's on the way to the printer and it's going to end up in my office at some point, you know, but uh, that, that, was, that was 
quite a unique stage, and I'm happy that the conditions were like that because we got to experience it. And again, that's another safari experience right there. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, Colin, go back to yourself. Like you know, you've done this rally a few times now, but like, does every time you go back there, does this give you an appreciation for what Reinhard and all these guys had to do back in the seventies and the eighties? You know, when you had the the luxury of you know a helicopter and all these things, you know, it was a lot more primitive back then. Oh God! I started my career in film, mm-hmm. and I Reinhard was purely a film man, and so at the end of the day, there was no laptop. There was no digital image, so basically they all went to the bar and got pissed, all of them, every day. And uh, they, but the, the funny thing is, imagine you take what you would consider to be the greatest rally photo of all time, and Reinhardt's responsible for many of them. Mm-hmm. You've got it in your camera on a thirty-six exposure film, and you took it on a Friday. You'll see it on Monday, and now we just look on the back of the screen and you see it instantaneously. So. The thought, I think, for photographers today to think, have I, haven't I captured that? It's just unbelievable to think, yeah, you're going to wait 72 hours before you even see the image. And But, you know, time's changed and, you know, I'm glad to have experienced both. Mm-hmm. I started on film, so uh, it was a completely different era. But, the, you know, the stories that come out, and it's just so nice hearing Alex talking about that stage. And then on the very same day, I did the first stage where they drove. He would be completely unaware of this, Alex, but he drove around a rock the size of a football pitch called Lion's Rock. The night before, because I was staying on a camp very close by, we saw lions on that rock and went there uh, in the morning. And I was with Jeff and Jeff's wife and uh, in one car. And there were two or three locations around the rock to take nice pictures. And basically Jeff said, you take the car and go 300 meters away. We'll stay here. Cause if the lion comes, we know what to do. You haven't got a clue. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, it's little anecdotes like that. So we're basically dealing with a lion and with a cub and a friend and literally hundred kilometers, well, 50 kilometers away, the other side, they're dealing with rain and we're in sunshine in the morning. You know? And we did the section the first, it was the first section of the day and then went back to the lodge and had breakfast and then uh, headed over towards the coast. So it's these things do not happen in WRC. And that will go back to what I said at the very yeah. start, that I've done so many seasons of WRC. I continue to do it. And I look for these things in life, these challenges, mm-hmm. different adventures. And this is, this is an adventure. Yeah. That's the main thing. That the, classic, the Safari Classic is one of the few motorsport adventures really left Mm-hmm. Uh, in this modern world. Yeah, the, the modern technology, there's some of it is seeped in, but it's still man mm. against machine. And against yeah, the road. yeah. Mm-hmm. it's not only that, but the, I'm sure Richard will back me up on this, but for the, the Safari Classic, the rule book gets thicker every year. And mm. that probably I brings... I wish it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, every year there's probably a protest at the final results, there's a homologation issue, there's a scrutineering issue, it's more and more uh, goes down that way. But uh, there's at least the spirit of ventures there, which is quite rare today. And that's probably the number one reason why I love the event. Alex, you're the, you know, you're this bubble hat rally fan. You know, we've seen your, your social media posts. 
you know, you still love your rallying from the, the 70s, the 80s and the 90s. Like, what was it like to be competing on these classic roads? Oh, it was, it was a dream come true. I, I was a, a teenager when the Lancia team was competing and winning at, at those events. And I might, it was just a dream to be able to think, even think that uh, one day I will be competing on, on the same road. So, um, yeah, definitely a career highlight right there. I, I was looking very much forward to, to, to put this event in my resume. And, uh, um, and it's something that uh, I will cherish for the rest of my life. The pictures, you know, thanks to talented photographers like Colin are there. And, uh, um, yeah, it is, uh, it's just amazing. And it made, made me appreciate, you know, what rallying used to be, you know, a long time ago. Okay. When I started 27 years ago, we, still you know we, we used to it used to be challenging more than it is today you would you would start at, at 10 in the evening and finish the following day at 10 p.m so i i did get to experience uh, true rallying in uh, early in my career but uh, then rally got mellower i don't know if that's the right word and so to to experience this again and bring me back to and make me realize what rallying used to be when the sport started how uh, look it's, it's a not a career highlight it's a life highlight Brilliant. So, uh, um, Richard, for yourself then, you know, this event wrapped up 2023, coming down the line, you know, as you talked about earlier, but, you know, there's already, you know, debriefs and things. When do you actually start, you know, with a blank sheet of paper, 2023, let's go? Honestly, I've had had meetings today about the, the type of inquiries we're getting. There's, you know, and, and we had an exceptional bunch of clients, all of which said they want to come back. Uh, some have already done it two or three times, but there was an exceptional um, bond between between a whole load of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if they want to come back, some of them are going to bring their mates. Um, then we get all these inquiries. We've really got to think. Uh, we've, we've actually got to rethink it a little bit, and, and we, we already are. Andy, Andy Brown... Uh, joined us for the first time um, on this event, so actually that was really useful. We've got a fresh pair of eyes, and um, we'll, we don't, we'll 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 reinvent the wheel a little bit, but um, fundamentally the the cars will remain the same. The regs don't change in that respect. Um, we'll all be two years older, but um, no, we, you know it's it's something that just something that's in us and uh, it, just as Colin said you, you get off that plane and roll your sleeves up and then and then deal with whatever comes it's it's extraordinarily rewarding but um it leaves you it, it leaves you in a fair old state it takes it takes a few weeks to recover and Alex have you got the opportunity to go back again would, would you have to think about it very long or would you be signing up straight away uh, I think I would take the opportunity. Yes, um, I mean it's uh, you do it once, you know, you become sort of like part of an, an exclusive club. But at the same time, this how great will be to win this event. You know, uh, they say they say you always go to Africa first to learn, and then you win it. But that's been proved wrong by our teammates. You now Chris Rosenberger won on his first time out last uh, last time. Uh, so yeah, I will I would love to come back. You know. Um, Ken actually mentioned that it will be a great formative event uh, for his daughter Leah you know, to compete there. She started driving this year. She's only 15 years old and she's winning the American Championship. So, you know, how great would be, I mean, to, to have a 
that sort of experience at such a young age or in your teens and that teaches you. I mean, let's not forget, gentlemen, rally is a sport that creates real men and women. You know what I mean? So to to be able to to be able to experience something like this at an early stage of your life, oh, it, it just is going to create a, a true men and women, you know, with true grit and and and, and character. So that would be if we can materialize that that idea that will be great and then I haven't spoke again about if you want to yeah. come back go back or not you know but you know we'll be spending a full day on the wreck in two days from now and we haven't caught up since since the safari rally so that will be a good time maybe to ask the question yeah, excellent and then uh kong for the likes of yourself then um if the opportunity presented itself i would say you wouldn't have to twist your arm to go back uh, well i was thinking of going back in 2023 with some cameras but actually tonight i'll just oh, i'm not doing that i'm going to be uh, richard's co-driver <laughs> <laughs> we haven't recorded he said you could. <laughs> we're all in trouble i said yeah. when we retire colin we're not that old <laughs> so a final question to the three of you the standout memory from the event what is the one thing that you will look back and that will that will be east safari classic rally 2022 and we'll start with Alex. Uh, well, it was obviously a new experience for me. By in no particular order, three things: uh, the Kenyan people. You know, their their friendliness and hospitality was something that exceeded my expectation. I I just did not expect it. It was a memory that I will uh, have for the rest of my life. Uh, number two was the the title team because you know it, it ran. Uh, uh, like a like a, a Swiss watch, but at the same time there is something different compared to other teams. And, and we have worked with world championship level teams, you know, but this felt different. You know, I don't know if it's the friendliness, if it's the um, the level of professionalism, or uh, you know, the, the way everything is structured, or a, co a combination of both. You know, so there was a, an amazing surprise there. I did expect it because I knew the people involved, you know, but to experience it was a highlight. And the third thing for me was the, the car. The car is just amazing. You know, I, I did not expect that an older car, granted it's got modern parts, some modern parts, and it can take that much abuse. I mean, we beat the car up for, for a week of racing on some of the harsh, harsh terrain, and we would finish the stage and the steering wheel was straight. And you know, aside from you know, <laughs> when I made my mistake, but, you know, just incredible car that uh, is just, exceeded our expectations i mean we again can usually go into older cars you know but we finished the rally and he said to me man i really like this car and i, I agree with him 100 percent. it was a pure joy to compete at speed in that car cool um richard your three standout well at this point you wish you read the questions you sent <laughs> um uh Alex, thank you for those uh, th those words. Firstly, that was very very kind of you, and um, I must say, uh, highlight is always working with um, people like you and Ken who come into a come into a, an arena that you're not used to, and that, um, it's a it's a privilege to help, privilege to advise, and it's always difficult to advise because you know you guys have done so much, but we, we found a very nice way to work together, and I must say, Derek. Uh, Dauncey uh, is an extraordinary chap. Uh, he he helped uh, more than you'll ever imagine. Um, so nice to work with you guys. I think the 
the memory from this rally really is the camaraderie between all of our teammates, clients, um, because actually clients is the wrong word because they, they actually become friends. And I think there was something special. Bearing in mind, I think, you know, we've all had a couple of tough years with COVID and all of that stuff. So there was a very big sense of, right, we're, we're actually here. We're going to do something amazing. And I think that generated a very special atmosphere. Um, and finally, I, a memory of an organising team who put on an event under serious duress, uh, pressure, tricky circumstances with some COVID protocol and all, you know, to, to follow. But they did it with a smile. And um, there's a great deal made of them and us, Kenyans versus Europeans, big Tuttle team and against the local guys. Um, please take it with a pinch of salt. We, we, it wouldn't be the same without the, the Kenyan spirit. They're an extraordinary bunch of people. They're very, very talented. They do amazing things in cars. And, and, it, and, and for us to go and have a go um, go at them every couple of years is, is a huge challenge, which we enjoy. And I think it's reciprocal, although sometimes it may not seem like that. But no, the organising team were exceptional. So that's a, that's a great memory. And I might add, it was their first time they were, they were running this rally. So hats off to them. And Colin, your thoughts on that? Three things. <clears throat> uh, I'd have to go on a different tangent and talk about the photography. So this was the first time in my life I photographed a car with a drone. And I uh, was quite pleased with that. So it's quite a learning exercise. I'd only photographed myself and my dog uh, <laughs> in a local field beforehand. So, yeah, there's a, there's a lot to get your head around. So and uh, I kind of thought I could operate the drone and a handheld camera at the same time. So I quickly learned that that was impossible. <laughs> uh, so that was good. I'll Not just because Alex and Richard are here, but I'd say generally uh, I think I've said it elsewhere before and different things but you know Ken Block is one of my favorite and most respected I, I just love working with Ken uh, I don't do it an awful lot but when I do I I feel I, I need to raise my game it's a little bit like working with Richard I've done some jobs with him before and I, you these are people you want to work with and they appreciate what you do and it just makes you put that little extra bit in and go the extra mile. I'd like to think that we've made some images that will last, you know, for our lifetimes. We'll look back on them. That's something special for me. Mm -hmm. So to have the clients that I was working for, and uh, uh, and I, it's a toss-up, but I'd have to, it's something to do with Africa. But uh, on the rest day, another one of Richard's clients invited me on a balloon safari, and I'm scared of heights. So... So yeah, that must have been that must have been special. Yeah. It, it was. It was. Uh, there was again two different elements to that. You know, normally, you know, I am really bad with heights, so just to get over that and actually enjoy the whole experience. And we were a great bunch of guys. We did a, a, a road safari a few days before the rally uh, on one of Jeff's uh, game farms, I think, where uh, Alex and Ken were testing, and so we had a early morning drive and a breakfast. It was the same bunch of guys that went up in the balloon sort of a week later. So yeah, that'll live with me forever. And it was, so I, I basically photographed what I did and put it on Facebook. And I think I've lost, I, I would be jealous of me 
<laughs> we were just yeah. watching you <laughs> yeah so i think i've lost more you know i've lost my 6.8 million followers just by sticking that up thank you very much for letting us take the opportunity to get a wee glimpse of how special this event was it's been a pleasure uh connor i'm sure you agree with me there on that Oh, listen, it's been fantastic just to, to hear, you know, the, the stories and the, 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 the bits of information and all the pieces that you're thinking of when you're following these events from home. You're wondering what's going on in the background. So it's good to get the insights. Mm -hmm. So, gentlemen, thank you very much for your time. Uh, been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you. Kevin, that was fascinating to listen to Richard, Colin and Alex and their stories. And I'm sure they were only really scratching the surface of what's involved. I, I would say we could have chatted for another three or four hours there to get a bit more information. <laughs> Kevin, you also caught up with Andy Brown, motorsport team principal with Tuttle Porsche. Yeah, like Andy, I spoke to him previously on the podcast last year. And like, you know, the stories is, you know, with Andy is always fascinating. And he's such a great way of telling them. And such a gentleman to speak to as well, you know, it's always great to catch up with him. Went over to the safari rally in the early 90s, but we'll let him explain the story anyway. I did. I did a couple of times. The first time was in 91. Um, I went with the Nissan factory team with the GTIR. Mm -hmm. So that was um, the first rally when Nissan had competed in the world championship with the four-wheel drive car. Mm -hmm. So I spent... Yeah, a lot of time out there testing. I think we were out there for six weeks at one point, testing and then back and out again. So, um, and then again, what was out there with Ford? But you know, it was it was good to get back. Yeah, and was that was that one of the the draws of going back to Tuttle, like the Safari Rally? Was it always an event you enjoyed? Or? Yeah, I mean, I think it's one of those. You know, when you think of the, you know, the the rallies that you really want to be involved with, RAC, Monte Carlo. Safari, you know, they're the ones that, that kind of people normally say they're standout events for them. But I think also um, the fact that it's run like the rallies used to run service at the end of every stage, traveling around, you know, all, all the world championship, British championship stuff now is just central service. You never move. Um, whereas, you know, we were doing six, 700 Ks a day you know, chasing around end of every stage and big services at night and move on to, you know, obviously thousands of miles by the time from start to finish. So um, just to do that, which similar to the RAC, it's just good to do rallies that are, you know, back to how they used to be. And we should mention the RAC rally as well. You know, what a fantastic rally for Total Porsche as well. Yeah, yeah, that was great. I mean, again, like I say, one of the, you know, famous rallies that you've kind of grown up watching. So, yeah, to get the win with, with Ryan was was amazing. I mean, really, you know, really one of my top events that, that I'll remember. I think just, yes. you know, like I say, you grow up watching the RAC on TV. So it's, uh, yeah, well, it was pretty special, that one. Mm -hmm. That was for sure, for sure. And like, for you know, for the, you know, Total Force to compete in the, you know, the Safari Rally, you know, it's probably like a well-oiled machine now for them at this stage. But, you know, can you give us, like, a rough guide to, like, what's involved in getting one car together, you know, to ship out? Um, well, all the cars are built from a, from a donor car, obviously. Um, we get a lot of cars in from America just because, of, you know, they're in good condition, obviously no rust and things. Um, 
was stripped to a shell, sandblasted, probably like most people, you know, go through it all, any repairs that's necessary. And then obviously Tuttles have been doing safari that long. They know where the extra strength needs to be, you know, all the chassis modifications that have got to be done. Um, there's certain mods that we do to make things easier to change. Um, but but just basically, you know, the, the main work in the shell is just to make it last for those 10 days because it's, it's brutal on the cars, you know, it really is. Um, and then the whole car is then, everything's built at Tuttle's engine, gearbox, everything's done in-house, which is great because we're not waiting on outside suppliers, you know, coming up. We maybe have to go and have a word in the engine shop, but mm-hmm. normally the boys have got stuff ready on time. So, uh, you know, by the time the shell's been in paint shop, which is in-house, bring the shell in the workshop, you know, then we've got all the sub-assembly suspension built up and the boys can start building the car, you know, then which they're all the same spec. Um, you know, like I say, they've got a standard build for the cars, which which we know works. Um, and also we have to take that many spares to the rally. So, you know, we need to make the cars identical just so that, you know, that whichever van is at the end of the stage, the, the parts will fit. Mm-hmm. It's no good having different dampers on one car or brakes on another. Or we just make it all the same. And then, uh, you know, everyone's used to fixing the same car or, you know, you use, you use the same tools, so it just makes it makes it easier for everybody. Yeah, even I don't think even you know, the spanner size is the same right across all the cars. You know, so there's yeah, no, yeah, there's no it has to be because mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, and all the you know all the spare parts are interchangeable. Um, you know, and, and just the basic setup of the cars, the suspension settings, and everything. Um, you, you know, we. We test every car in the UK before we send them out. So we either go to Walters Arena or Sweetland, give them a you know a good shakedown, and then we do a, a test. We were out there ten days before the event started, so we do some testing. Uh, we did some testing out near Mombasa. Um, Richard drives all the cars. Once he's happy, signs them off. Then the customers or drivers start arriving, and you know they can they can get to drive the car. But we know that. You know, if Richard's happy with it, then it's good to go. So um, it's really just them getting back into the car and get used to it. Yeah. And like, you know, you talk about, you know, like a, a donor car rolling in. From that rolling into it rolls out the other side, you know, as a rally car. You know, approximately how many manners goes into that? Yeah, I, w- I would say total, it's probably about 600 hours uh-huh. um, to, to build a car, you know, fabrication and, and build and everything. Um Obviously, there's a bit more in the engine and, and gearbox, but, but the actual build, yeah, you're probably looking at about, about 600 hours. I mean, there's a lot of work in the body shell. Um, you know, that that's where I would say that's one of the biggest time-consuming areas of the build. But um, the two, two lads, the two brothers that, that, that we've got working for us that do the shells do a, a fantastic job, and they're obviously doing them all the time. So, again, they're all the same, all spot on you know so it's uh it, it makes our job a bit easier and like you know like the rally was you know how soon do them like does everyone have to be in a container ready to go before the event well we we aim to get the cars out a month before 
the rally just in case there's any holdups with shipping or containers or customs. Um, obviously, with the date change, we had a lot of cars out there for the event in November. Yes. And then it got cancelled, moved to, to, to when it was. So um, they, those cars went into storage. Okay. We then shipped some more cars out, but we ended up flying three cars um, just because two of the customers made the late decision to do the rally, so they agreed to fly it. And then the Ken Blocks car, we sent that out to Saudi. We went out to do a, a motor show event with him, and he got to test the car out in Saudi. So that car flew from Saudi to, to Kenya. So that had been on a, a few air miles before it got there. <laughs> And then, you know, like, so, uh, you know, what kind of manpower is required? Like, you talked about 14 cars there without completing. Like, how many people do you need on the ground then? I think the team in total was uh, about 100 people uh, that we had on the event. You know, I mean, it, it's huge. That's, you know, the biggest challenge for us is, is the logistics. Uh, we had 23 service vehicles. Um, so that's 46 mechanics straight off, you know, just because the stages weren't in loops, they were in a line. So one van, you couldn't rely on it being at the end of every stage or you just needed it to, to be held up. So we had to double up on the vans to, to make sure that every stage was covered. And then we had, you know, obviously management coordinators, uh, physio, paramedic, you know, that we have on the rally. Um, you know, so there's, there's all, all that. Logistics, it's just huge, you know, the, to, to get everybody around in the right place is, is one of the biggest challenges for sure. Yeah, and like even, you know, likes of tyres, fuel, you just have to take all that with you because you can't rely on getting fuel even out in Africa or Canada. Uh, well, we, we, got, we did get fuel out there, um, mm. which was, you know, race fuel that was in drums. Okay. You wouldn't trust the local filling stations. Right. Um, definitely not. Um, mm. But no, we had proper race fuel. And then, yeah, we shipped the tyres out. So 600 tyres we shipped out. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, that's, you know, like, you know, again, logistically, on top of the service vans, we had a, a mothership truck, which was a 40-foot container, um, part workshop, part stores. So that would restock the vans every night, whatever parts they used. We had another truck that was uh, just for rebuilding dampers. So at the end of each day, if there was any, you know, damper issues or whatever, that they would get onto that job. And then also the tyre-fitting boys as well. So, you know, another truck with the fuel in going around. Um, so, yeah, getting everybody in the right place is, is quite a challenge. And then keeping everybody themselves fed and watered too. Is that, oh, that's all yeah. that, like, all has to be looked after too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, again, we had our own catering company because... You know, let's be honest, in Africa, it, it is a worry what you're eating and drinking. So, um, you know, you're okay in the hotels, breakfast and, and dinner at night's okay. But through the day, we had a, a catering company that went to the lunchtime services. Um, obviously, looking after the drivers was the main priority, but, you know, they also, also the lads, everybody else could eat from there, or at least if some of the vans didn't make it, would they do? You know, packed lunches to take on for those boys. So uh, at least we knew that they were getting something decent to eat and, and drink. Mm -hmm. um, because keeping everyone healthy is is that's why we had the doctor there. It's yeah. that's invaluable. I mean, the, you know, the amount of 
different issue apart from just cuts and burns and yeah. the number of other things that you had to deal with you know invaluable you couldn't do without it you know yeah and like you know one car retiring out of 14 that must give you a great sense of pride too that you know the cars proved so reliable over the nine days as well yeah yeah still annoying that <laughs> we lost one um just just a bit of an engine issue with that car um which was a shame because that, that guy was on his first rally uh, ever and he was in, you know, he was well in the top 10. I mean, he was, he was going well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for Patrick, you know, to come close to winning it really, you know, that, that was really disappointing for us. Um, finished second, which is, you know, it's still a good result, but I think, you know, he was well on for the win and unfortunately, you know, had a broken drive shaft. Um, and another couple of days, I think he would have caught, caught back up, but <laughs> ran out of time. Yeah. But no, I mean, six cars in the top 10 was, yeah. you know, was great. I mean, that, that's, you know, it's pretty good going. And, and uh, I think, you know, it does show the, the strength of the cars and, the, and you know, the fact that the performance over there, they're well suited to that event. Absolutely. And, you know, in, in previous years, uh, Tuttle have run the likes of Blomqvist and Waldegard and these guys. But this year, they have Ken Block. Does that bring a, a, a different type of pressure too? Because, like, you know, as uh, Colin McMaster said, you know, earlier, that, you know, you have 4.9 million followers <laughs> tuning in to yeah. updates. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, obviously, I think everyone was a little bit apprehensive going in, but, I mean, Ken, such a great guy to work with, you know, just so down to earth, him and Alex. I mean, I've known Alex a long time anyway, but, but Ken was really good. Um, Really professional, got on with the job. You know, I think he took to the car really well. Um, and, you know, I would say there was no more pressure on keeping his car going than, than Patrick's or, or anyone else's. It was just the fact that you got a bit more media about there's his GoPro cameras everywhere you turn, you know. But yeah. uh, um, no, I mean, it, it, it was great. I think it you know, went really well. I think he enjoyed the event. Um, you know, we we certainly had a had a great time with him. He was, you know, really competitive as well. So I think uh, I think hopefully he'll be keen to have another crack at it. And you know, Richard talked about you coming into the team, you know, with a fresh pair of eyes and a good contact book. You know, like what did you feel that you brought to the operation this year? Um, I, I mean, to be honest, Kevin, it you know they've been going so so long to Africa. You know, it's very well set up, the whole team. You know, everybody knows what they're doing. A lot of the contractors, uh, mechanics, you know, have been going for eight, ten years with them, same guys, you know, so um, they're used to the event. Um, I think it was just more, more about taking on board this event, trying to, to manage it up from the technical side, which is what, you know, I was, you know, I was looking after the mainly just the... the Keeping the cars going, making sure they're set up right, managing the service areas. Um, so I think just coming back from that now and having to think that you know maybe some things we could improve on or or you know might make things a bit more efficient next year. But um, but you know like I say that they've got so much experience on the rally that uh, it definitely you know it, it runs really pretty well as it is. And like probably a stupid question, but did you enjoy being there and then being involved in it all too? 
Yeah, I mean, it's a fantastic experience. You know, I mean, it's, it's you know, that's one of the things, you, you know, you go back there and, you know, you just drive along first time you see an elephant or a giraffe, yeah. you know, and you're like, oh, my God. And then by the end of 10 days, you're driving past them it's as if it's just, you know, whatever at the side of the road. I mean, uh, it's kind of taking it for granted. here or whatever kind of thing that you don't Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and some of, you know, some of the hotels we stayed in, we were very lucky, you know, to be in some amazing you know, hotels and, and on the safari parks and, you know, those experiences, you know, that, you know, that definitely stay with you. That's for sure. But yeah, it's a great, it is, it's, it's, it's hard work. <laughs> There's no denying it's, it's, you know, it's full on, you know, especially with the services at night. Um, you get a two hour service every night. So you can bring the car out of park firm, they work on it for two hours it back in so you know i was obviously trying to manage when was the best time to bring the cars out which cars needed the most work you know this car needs welding right we'll get that one first you know and trying to keep track of you know all the cars being worked on and make sure they get back in perk at permit the right time was was a bit stressful yeah, at I, times. I keeping that whole flow moving on. Yeah, I, yeah, it's, it's yeah. not just it's not from eight o'clock to ten o'clock. It's two hours, but it's it's staggering them across the time. Yes. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. So you know, you didn't have to bring them all out at the same time. Yeah. You had like you know a certain time. So mm-hmm. any with big jobs, we tried obviously get them out first and get them knocked on the head before we bring the others out that didn't need so much work. But you know, there's always something to do. I mean, we. You know, one of the nights we had the engine out of the car to do some welding because it was easy just to drop it out. And, you know, so it's, uh, yeah, makes it interesting keeping on top of everybody, that's for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like Richard talked this year about the great atmosphere among all the stuff, you know, like the mechanics, the engineers, the, you know, the crews, everything. Like that must make such a difference just when everything clicks as well. You know, everybody's pulling together in the same direction. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, like I say, that, you know, the a lot of the people are, are regulars, um, so they all know one another, even though they might be the only see each other every two years for the rally, but mm-hmm. just slot back in together. Um, and I think also one of the good things was a lot of the the newer drivers that we had, because there was so many that were just on the first event or, or, or fairly new to rallying still, but they all really got on well together. So, you know, every night... They'd all be sitting having a meal and obviously going over what happened through the day. And if anybody was struggling, you know, some of the new co-drivers, you know, like Sir Alex or Alan Harriman would be helping them out. You know, this is what you need to be doing on your on your road books or you know, everyone just just mucked in with you know with the crews, which I think uh, is a real big part of, of what Tuttle's try to do. It's not just the rally, it's it's the experience and the event. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of those guys are just going out purely for the for the experience of, of driving in Africa. You know, they're not, yeah, they want to do well, but it's not the be-all and end-all to win the rally. They just want to, mm-hmm. you know, enjoy themselves and get around. And and I think that, that, you know, the feedback that we're getting after the rally is that everyone enjoyed it and keen to go again, hopefully. I think, you know... You know, for somebody that, you know, maybe working in the city or whatever, you know, like is used to the high life, to go and do something like that, you know, it, it must blow their mind to come like to London or Hong Kong or something, and then to spend, yeah. you know, like nine days in deepest, darkest Africa, you know, driving a, 
a, a rally car through you know the worst possible roads. <laughs> well, that's it. I mean, the the you know, like I say, we tested the cars before the rally, and most of the customers came down to do the test stage. So, you know, they'd have a, a steady run round, and then you know, Richard would give them a run round in the car just to show what the car's capable of, and obviously. All the roads are open, you know. There's there's guys on scooters with with a goat tied on the back coming the other way, you know. And it's just it's just you know it blows the mind when they say that, you know. Yes. But, but, you know, once the two or three days in, they kind of get it, and you know they know, yeah. you know they know what to kind of expect a bit more. But uh, yeah, you, when you see the <laughs> at the end of the first run around the car uh, with Richard, they're they're <laughs> quite surprised. I think. Uh, <laughs> what, what they've got lined up for them. Yeah. <laughs> I could like I could I kind of blew my mind the, the fact that the, some of these guys it was the first ever rally. But like, yeah. Rich, Richard explained that you know they got more mileage in one day doing the the safari than they would probably nearly do in a full season of BRC nearly, you know. And yeah. That, that's you know, yeah. if you think of it like that, it's it's such a you know oh yeah it's mind blowing really, isn't it? That way, you know. So. Yeah, definitely. I mean I think that's you know, one of the biggest things you can take from it is just you've got so long in the car, you can't help but improve because you, you know, mm-hmm. you know, you're making mistakes one day, you go out the next day, right? You know, I'm going to work on this area or I'm going to do this differently. And, you know, you've got so you, you know, you come across so many different conditions, different surfaces, you know, different grip levels, you know, the roughness of the road. So all that, you know, the experience that they'll get from that, like you say, is, you know, it's far then, beyond what they would do. Yeah, then having the likes of Orion Ch- Championer and all that and Harriman beside them too, you know, is also helping, you know, because it, it, that uh, kind of matching up, you know, driver to co-driver as well, like that's helping yeah. them to develop as well. Yeah, definitely, yeah. And I think, you know, most of them went with an experienced driver, but, you know, there's Jamie and Kenny, the two Scottish customers were had, you know, neither of them had done a rally in, the, in their life, nothing. You know, we we did a couple of days at Sweetland with them, uh, with Ryan tuition and uh, a little bit of roadbook work, and then straight out to Kenya, the first rally, you know, not even done like a 12-car rally or a single <laughs> venue or anything, and just, you know, turn up at the start of Safari, and they finished in the top, you know, top 20. So, yeah. you, know, that, you know, they couldn't believe it at the end. They were just absolutely yeah. blown away. So it was, you know, yeah, you see people like that getting to the finish, and it, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. you know that the experience that they've taken from that is is amazing. It's great to see. You know, it's, I think that's one of the things, like I say, for Tools that, mm-hmm. that that we try and aim for is that everyone, you know, enjoys it as well as finishes it. You know, they've got to have a good time. It's no good making it a chore. You've got to, yeah. you know, make it enjoyable. Mm-hmm. And even the likes, of, it must give you immense pride. You know, to be. To see them enjoy it so much and get what it's all about, and then to get to the finish as well too. So. Oh yeah, I mean, the, honestly, myself and Richard waited at the last service for for all of the cars to come through. You know, we, we went up to the to the end of the last stage and just waited to see everybody through, um, right from you know the first till the last, and, and you know the American couple that that, that finished, you know, the the last of our cars. Um, not last in the rally by any means, but you know, you know, they just come over from America. Same thing, you know, they just done a couple of regularity rallies, and you know, 
they just they couldn't believe it that they'd finished the safari rally. They were just yeah. you know absolutely gobsmacked that they managed to get round. That mm-hmm. uh, you know they, they did they set out did what they wanted to do and you know That's something they can tell the grandkids you know <laughs> yeah def- definitely yeah definitely. <laughs> so like the East Africa safari rally now twenty twenty three probably about eighteen months away. You know, is there already, is the brain already clicking into gear? We need to do this, we need to do this, we have to have that done. Well, we had, I think we had three meetings the second day after we were back from Kenya to go over, you know, technical debrief on, you know, issues that we'd had with the car, how we can improve um, the car logistically, you know, what we're going to do, planning Obviously, the rally's back to November next year, which I think will be better because it was so hot uh, this time, you know, when we did it this time of year. You know, that really made it tougher as well for as much for the for the lads working on the cars. I mean, it was, you know, they're out there in 35 degrees and changing a gearbox or whatever. It's uh, it's tough going. So um, I think I think going back to November, it'll, it's definitely going to be better for us Forgetting some of the some of the mercenaries that we use, we're obviously committed to World Championship this year, so we lost a few because of Rally Sweden with the date clash. So um, you know it, it, it'll be better for sure. But no, no, we're already planning, and luckily we're getting quite a lot of interest from people, you know, other customers or other drivers that are looking to do the event. So um, I'm just uh, not sure how many. Will be the cutoff cars. Will run. <laughs> <laughs> have then, to work on Richard on that one. Yeah, <laughs> and then to wrap things up, the three standout uh, memories from the event for you. Um, I think four, three. One of them for sure was getting a, a WhatsApp photo of Ken going over that jump that Colin McMaster took. Yeah. Um, I only found out after that that he told him that the he, he knew the jump and it was flat. Yeah. And I saw the height of that, and I'm I'm thinking, well, you can't carry on like that, or he won't be getting around the rally. <laughs> um, but no, that that was a bit worrying. And then um, I think the service where we had, you know, the engine out the car, probably at that same service, we had a couple of gearboxes out. We had a suspension. Guy had gone off here, rock, so suspension damage. So, you know, seeing all those cars in that state and getting them all turned round and, and back out with no time penalties, you know, credit to the lads because they all done a, a brilliant job on that. I mean, that, you know, it's, you, sometimes you see the cars come in, you're thinking, oh, this is it, you know, but you just turn them around and, and get them back out again. So that was, uh, that was, that was. That was really satisfying, I think, from out from the mechanic mechanical side of things. Um, and then I think lastly, yeah, just probably that last service, just seeing everybody smile coming into the finish, you know, from from Patrick and, and Ken to like I say, right through everybody, the new drivers, and you know, they all just, you know, it was like they'd won the lottery. They honestly they were just, you know, that whole night and you know, that obviously few beers after the rally was yeah. Was quite enjoyable, Absolutely. but uh, yeah, no. Just I think the fact that everyone you know had enjoyed the event, and even you know, unfortunately, the driver that, that didn't get round, he was still, you know, he was still quite happy that he'd almost got round and enjoyed what he had done, and mm-hmm. he just said, "Oh, well, 
just shows I've got to come back, you know, and finish it off. So, yeah. uh-huh. so now it was good. It was it was great, great experience, and mm-hmm. you know, Richard's built such a good team that you know that I think the actual uh, camaraderie and, and the morale in the team just just you know even when times are tough and there is you know some stressful times but people just crack on and get on with it you know so that was Andy Brown fascinating as always um I'm sure speaking on behalf of Connor I think it's been an absolute pleasure to speak with the guys and hear the stories as Connor said earlier we've only scratched the surface of the stories there of the East African Safari Classic um so I hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have recorded it so until the next time Take care, speak soon, and bye.